0: The reading is taken from Luke, chapter 20, verses 20 to 26. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said, so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him, teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their duplicity and said to them, show me a denarius whose image and inscription are on it? Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. They were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public and astonished by his answer, they became silent. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Ayo. Good morning again.
1: Now, normally I have a a little plastic folder with all my words in, and I have two copies, two lots of that plastic folder, and I've lost both of them. Um, So that's a good start, isn't it? Um, A person was on holiday and strolling along outside uh, their hotel, enjoying the sunny weather. Suddenly, they were attracted by the cries of a woman uh, kneeling in front of a child, and they realized that the child had swallowed a coin. Seizing the child by the heels, the person held the child up, gave him a few shakes and the coin dropped to the ground. Oh, thank you so much, cried the woman. You seem to know just how to get the money out of that child. Are you a doctor? No, ma'am, replied the person. I work with the Inland Revenue. (laughs) I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I know that's a really bad joke. Um, But I thought I I couldn't resist that this morning when we're thinking about what we're thinking about. We're thinking about money, uh, tax, and all of those sort of things. But I think we should pray, don't you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you that all of your word uh, speaks to us. We thank you for the words that uh, Jesus says in this passage. And Lord, I ask that you would help each one of us to hear your voice and what you are saying to us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, as Jonathan said, we're on. We're continuing our sermon series, looking through the Gospel of Luke, and we're already up to chapter twenty. Um, as Jesus is now um, in Jerusalem, he's he's teaching. Um, And, um, in fact, he's teaching in the court of the Gentiles at this point. Um, In fact, last uh, time I preached, I sort of bookended my holiday by preaching, Um, I preached in the evening about uh, Jesus going into the temple and turning over the uh, the tables and and all of that. Um, And that was uh, where he was. And then it says he began to teach. And the context of this is Jesus teaching in that place. And this whole chapter, actually, is really very much an attack against Jesus' authority. We see lots of attempts to try and do that. And in our, our reading this morning, in verse, uh, the verse just before it, verse 19, states that the religious leaders were afraid to do anything because, um, of, uh, to, to Jesus because of the people. It says this, "...the teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately." because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. So that's the sort of context of what's going on. So what we see is that the scribes and the the chief priests, they were angry because the previous parable, the parable of the tenants, um, had pointed out their hypocrisy, their failure in leadership. So the Jewish authorities would have arrested Jesus on the spot. They would have put him to death, but they didn't. Because Jesus was so popular, and that would have been a bit of a bad move on their part. So instead, what do they do? They send in some spies, some spies to ask some questions. And we'll look at that in a moment. But before we do that, I want us to just briefly look at the sort of context of the time. You know, why was this such a tricky subject You know, why did uh, these people, these spies, uh, choose this as a, a question to give to Jesus? I mean, let's face it, we know today that tax isn't a subject we like talking about. But we'll see that compared to what was going on at the time, it's pretty easy to talk about tax today. So let's have a think about the context of what was going on. So in AD 6, um, Roman rule over Judea and Samaria led to a tax, a bit like a poll tax, that was called the Roman Tribute. That sounds like a band, doesn't it, the Roman Tribute? Anyway, um, and it was an annual payment of one denarius, which was the equivalent of about a day's wages. And it was on all adult male citizens. And in a sense, that was sort of like a, sort of an annual reminder and a symbol of the occupation of the Romans. And so it was opposed by many. And it's into that context that Jesus was born. So in Luke 2, verses 1 to 7, we read at Christmas that there was a census. And that was to assess this this tax. You know, this is what Jesus was born into. He was born into Roman occupation, high taxes. It was likely that taxes were about a third of someone's income. And that went on various different types of taxes. And at the time, failure to pay this tribute, this tax, this one denarius, showed that you weren't obeying Roman rule. And that was a dangerous thing to do. And then later on, if we look in the context of Jesus' life, in chapter 23 of Luke, uh, we'll read this. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. Actually, as a little side note, it's interesting to note that the Sanhedrin, the sort of ruling um, parliament, if you like, in Jerusalem, were were, um, responsible for collecting this tax. I I didn't know that until I was sort of reading up about this. So it's an interesting little extra insight there. And so what rose up at the time of all of this was a movement which said, no king but God. And that inspired many people. So, this question um, that these spies ask is a politically sensitive one. It's not just about the tax, it's about the Roman occupation, but it's also about the denarius itself. Here's a picture of that very denarius um, from the British Museum. I have to say at this point, I do think this is, it's amusing that Zach, our treasurer, is doing the visuals this morning. Just perfect. Anyway, just an aside there. Um, so the denarius, um, this coin, um, this was the coin that was used to pay this tax. And it was a silver coin. And it had an image of Tiberius Caesar on one side. And it had an inscription which said, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. Son of the divine Augustus. Augustus, just hear that. And on the other side was a picture which may well have been a goddess of something like justice or peace. And it had an inscription um, which may well have said, high priest. And so what that was doing was promoting the emperor as having authority, uh, not just as being sort of the divine, but having authority over worship as well. You know, calling himself the high priest. So this coin was not only a symbol of occupation, it was also uh, flouting the Jewish law. You, know, the, you shouldn't have a picture of anything, particularly a false god on both sides of the coin. You know, this was idolatrous. Just think back to the second commandment, um, which is this in Exodus 20. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to worship them. So that's the coin. And those who would have been very strict at the time would have seen this coin as idolatrous. They would refuse to use this coin. The other coins that they would have had um, at their disposal uh, would have been bronze and they didn't have images on them. It was particularly this one denarius that was the issue. And so at this time there was a, a growing worship of emperors as gods. Although, um, if we look on into Revelation, we'll see that it's uh, much more like that then. And it, that's why it was so important that the early Christians said, Jesus is Lord. Saying that Jesus was Lord was saying, Caesar isn't. And it's why it's really important for us to do the same, to use the name of Jesus. When the name of Jesus is used in really Inappropriate ways today is a swear word. We need to use the name Jesus. We need to keep reminding ourselves that Jesus is Lord. Anyway, that's the context of uh, these questions that the spies bring. And hopefully, you can see why it's really helpful to understand a little bit of the context of this coin. So let's move on then to the story. At the first bit, we see that we've got these spies, and it says they they are sent, and if we look back to verse 19, we can see that it's the chief priests, the teachers of the law that send these spies, and what we see is that they sort of pretend to be sincere, and they, they try to trap Jesus publicly, and as does happen occasionally, they try and use flattery. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? You can hear it, can't you? The flattery that they're using at that point. But the thing is, it doesn't stick with Jesus. He's aware of what they're trying to do. But actually, this is a bit of a catch-22 situation for Jesus. And the spies know that. Because if Jesus answers that the law of Moses permitted taxes to Rome, then he would alienate the heavily taxed people who saw Rome as an oppressive foreign enemy. If he says it's okay to pay taxes to Rome, this would make him far less popular with the people, which would certainly please the high priests and the teachers of the law. But then to say that the law of Moses forbids taxes to Rome would be to commit treason in the view of the Roman government, and therefore Jesus would face the death penalty. So in some ways, the leaders knew that they had him. Ah, oh, yeah, but Jesus is too clever for them, isn't he? He's, he's too aware of all of this, and he's so cunning in what he does. And this only really comes out when we understand the meaning of this coin. Because what does he do? Well, in verses 23, he says this. He saw through their duplicity and said to them, show me a denarius. And the reason that Jesus asked them to show that denarius is more um, evident in the Matthew account of this in uh, chapter 22, verse 19, where he says, show me the coin used for paying the tax. And what he does is he gets them to produce a coin, which basically shows them up as comple- uh, completely um, involved in all of this. It shows them up as hypocrites. And actually, what Jesus is doing he's not just showing them up um, with words. He's showing they are um, hypocrites because they then provide this coin. I mean, you can almost see one of the men, without thinking, reaching into his robe and when Jesus um, te- asked them to do this, and he's pulling out, you know, one of these silver coins, you know, there's a bit of a, a touch of humor in this. You know, Jesus has first of all embarrassed his challengers in that it's them who are carrying the offensive and idolatrous coin. So in using this coinage, they were showing that they'd accepted Caesar's rule. Isn't that brilliant by Jesus? He's saying, look, here's the coin, you've got it. <laughs> You're not quite who you think you are. But then it gets even better, because then Jesus says this, whose image and inscription are on it? Caesar's, they reply. So by asking them, not only is he pointing out their hypocrisy, but he's reminding them of who that coin belongs to, who is in power, who has authority over them. When we think about um, images on things, it shows us something belongs to someone, doesn't it? So I'm, I'm at the moment, re-watching The Crown, and um, I've just got to that point where um, the queen stands in front of all the images of her on the the new stamps, and um, a stamp with the picture of the queen on, or the king as it will be now, um, reminds us of the fact that this is royal mail. Our coins have an image of the king on them, or the queen. There's something about showing that authority, showing the ownership there. And so then we get Jesus' words back to them. He said to them, Then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. There's so much in this sentence from Jesus. He's saying that coin is Caesar's and he can have it. God doesn't need it. You know, people still might not want to pay the tax. But they won't fold to teacher for showing the idolatry in these leaders and rebuking hypocrisy and reminding them of whose coin it is. But of course, Jesus is saying so much more. If the coin has Caesar on it and it belongs to Caesar, what is Jesus saying about what is God's? Let me remind you of what it says in Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27. are made in the image of God. We are bearers of God's image. And if a coin can belong to an emperor, think how much more we, the image of God, can belong to our creator, God. So to give God what is God's is to give him our very selves. We owe him our lives, all of who we are, all of it is the image of God. It's not just the side view of our faces. It's all of us. And I wonder how you react to that this morning. And what we're left with then is a, is a question as to what this means for us. Well, those who were charged with paying this tribute tax may have um, been under oppressive rule. But they were also receiving things from Rome. They were receiving roads. They were living in a relatively peaceful society. So you can see how it was important that they paid tax. And we could say the same today. It is something we do, and if we don't, we can get into trouble. Uh, Paying taxes is, in some ways, like a a symbolic act showing that we acknowledge our government's rights to rule. Submission to their authority, even if we don't agree with them. And in turn, they use that tax for the nation. Now, I'm not going to get into politics at this point, because I'm conscious that we will all be coming with different positions and varying positions on this. But this is what we hope and pray should happen. But as Christians, we also need to acknowledge that as well as being citizens of this world and this nation, we are also citizens of heaven. And we need to live as such. And it is possible to be a faithful servant of Jesus and be a responsible citizen. I found these three words recently really helpful, and I'm really sorry, I can't actually remember where I found them. Um, and they are that we should pay, pray, and obey. I find that really helpful, just those three words. We call to pay. You know, God calls us as Christians to be good citizens. So we should be paying our taxes and enjoying the benefits and paying our share. But we're also called to pray. So in 1 Timothy 2, it says this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. A wonderful reminder of the importance of praying for those who are in in leadership. And then finally, we should obey. So in Romans 13, 1 to 7, Paul expands on these words of Jesus. And he sets out the general principle um, in verse 1, which says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And in these verses, Paul tells us that we're to submit to human government. God has placed governments on the earth to restrain sin until he comes. That's uh, the words that, that Paul uses. We're to obey government, not as an enemy of God, but as the agent of God. And I know that can be really hard at times. But listen to the verse um, towards the end of that passage in, in verse 6 of Romans 13. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. But is it as simple as all of that? Now, would Jesus have said what he said if it had been during the time of Revelation, when persecution by Caesar against Christians was so brutal? What if the laws of a nation poses them at odds with the laws of God, so that Christians just can't live by them? Well, that's why we need to remember that although we have dual citizenship, we are primarily citizens of heaven. Peter puts it like this in 1 Peter 2. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. I read this quote recently. When the early Christians said Jesus is Lord, it was clear they meant Caesar was not. They refused to worship the emperor. We also need to be careful not to rely on government as a substitute for God's rule. The worship of freedom can displace the worship of God. Human government has a right to exist and paying taxes doesn't violate our commitment to God. As Christian citizens, we have both civic and moral obligations. We obey secular law, yet we owe everything to God. We owe everything to God. Um, I was reading Acts 1-5 to with the Discipleship Year students recently. And we got, had a wonderful time being reminded of the incredible things that happened in the early church. But towards the end of those chapters, uh, the apostles begin to face persecution for their faith. Some are in prison for teaching about Jesus and even using his name. And in Acts 5, Peter and the other apostles' uh, response as they appear before the Sanhedrin is to say this. We must obey God rather than human beings. They do that because they're told they cannot use the name Jesus. We live in both worlds and we have a duty to where we live. However, we belong to God. We are image bearers of God and our duty primarily is to him. Yet we somehow need to live with the responsibility of both of those. So why don't we pay, pray, and obey as much as we can, but acknowledge that there may come a time when we need to obey God rather than humans. But let's never do that lightly. Let's never do that lightly. And so I believe there are two outcomes for us in this passage. Firstly, it's important for us to recognize that we are citizens of two places. We are citizens of the world and heaven, and that we live in the light of that. And secondly, we need to remember that we are image bearers of God. Giving to God what is God's is giving our very selves. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus went on to do. The rulers may not have been able to trap Jesus, but they would go on to arrest him and kill him. I want to finish by reading some beautiful and powerful words from Tom Wright. The leading Jews are going to hand over to Caesar not only the coin that bears his image and his false title, son of God, but the human being who truly bears God's image and who truly bears that title. But in that act, they are unwittingly offering to God the one stamped with the mark of self-giving love. The cross itself is taken up in, into both Caesar's purpose and God's. Caesar's favorite weapon, the cross, because God's chosen instrument of salvation. So as we celebrate communion, as we hear words reminding us of Jesus' gift of life to us. I want to encourage us to, to use it as an opportunity to give all we are as image bearers of God to Jesus, the one who gave everything for us. Let's pray.